In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Here with your 225th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons will hit up the road here to play the Carolina Panthers on Thursday night football, 8.20 p.m. start at Bank of America Stadium. The Falcons are 1-6 after dropping another fourth quarter collapse game to the Detroit Lions. And they will be playing the Panthers, the Carolina Panthers, who are 3-4. and four. We're going to take a uh, look at them. We're going to title this episode... On to Carolina. We're going to do like Bill Belichick and just get on to that game. Uh, go over. Uh, we're going to look at their stats. we got a lot of audio here from uh, Julio Jones, Ricardo Allen, and uh, special teams coordinator Bernie Parmalee. Um, apologize in advance on the Parmalee uh, audio. Sounds like I'm in an airport hangar when I speak, and then when he speaks, it's real loud and clear. So just fight through that. Uh, with me when we get to that but let's look at these surprising Carolina Panthers uh, they were thought to be the last place team in the NFC South they're holding on to third place right now chasing Tampa Bay and New Orleans and the Falcons are in last place at one and six Carolina is uh it's a stunner because they flipped their roster got rid of the quarterback uh, bought a new quarterback new coach from college uh, college uh, coordinator who had been in the NFL though, Joe Brady. But they lost the opener 30 to 34 to the Raiders. They um, then lost to Tampa Bay 31 to 17. Then put together a three game winning streak there, uh, beating the Chargers 21 16. The Cardinals that's a big, that looks like it's a big win right now 31 21. And uh, beat the Falcons 23 to 16. They blitzed them right before the half. It was seven to six. Then boom, DJ Moore gets, gets loose, 57 yards. They stop him. Then Bridgewater takes him down the field. And you know, the end of uh, halves has been a problem. End of games have been a problem also. So that was one of the games there. Then all of a sudden, you know, game seven to six. Next thing you know, it, it's 20 to seven at halftime. So, you know, Falcons scrambled back, got two field goals, and then uh, they're driving, they're on the five, and Matt Ryan throws an interception to some uh, uh, D-back who was, you know, undrafted guy or something. I don't know. He threw it right to him, though, so he caught it. Good play by him. Then uh, October the uh, 18th, uh, L, they lost to the Chicago Bears 23-16, and then they lost last week in another tough one, 27-24. So we know them. We don't know them like, uh, you know, we knew the camp teams and uh, Coach Rivera's teams is, uh, over the years. But they, uh, we let's review the playmakers here. Uh, the big one's coming back. Uh, I don't think so. I think they're making the Falcons get ready for McCaffrey. 
high right ankle sprain uh, in the second game is uh, that's November September the 20th we're at October the 28th that's a month that's about right you know four to six weeks on those so um, yeah that's five games this would be a, or a little bit early but you know I don't think I think they're doing the whole injury fake thing and uh, to make the Falcons get ready for him, and then they'll he'll be back next week. But anyway, that's their big guy. Went for twenty three hundred yards last year, All Pro, a thousand receiving and a thousand uh, on the ground. He was all they had last year, and heck, they used him. Uh, league leading a hundred four hundred and three touches. So if he plays, you know, the Falcons usually just stick Dion on him, and they just fight all game. So uh, they try to make somebody else beat you. So. Uh, that's what we'll expect if he does play. The Mike Davis has been filling in. He had a strong game last time. I think 16 for 89. Uh, also had a touchdown reception. Uh, Stevenson High, South Carolina. Mike Davis, 71 for 284. He's averaging four carrying two touchdowns. Uh, 37 catches out of the backfield. So, yeah, they're just – those are all touches that would have been McCaffrey – so they didn't stop the show uh, with him out. 37 for 233 and two touchdowns. Leading receiver is uh, Robbie Anderson. Uh, he's closing in on a career high. He had 941 his second season with the Jets. He's got 46 catches already for 640 yards. Just one touchdown. Uh, their leading touchdown receiver is, is DJ Moore. 31 uh, for 567. He had a 74-yarder last week. Uh, is that a T there? Yep, that was a touchdown. 71 touchdown behind that. So, you know, those are the names you're going to hear. Uh, Curtis Samuel, the former Buckeye, he got in the backfield a little bit last week. He played some running back at Ohio State. He's rushed it 16 times for 68. Uh, so he's averaging 4.3 a carry. He's also caught 25 for 231. 9.2 average. Uh, so there's, those are their main weapons. McCaffrey, Davis, Robbie Anderson, wide out. I don't know if you double him, but heck, he's productive. Samuels, the speed guy, could take the top off. Uh, and then DJ Moore, you saw the catch and run. Beat the Falcons uh, with 56, 57 yarder to get that thing started. It was 76 till he took off. And uh, so you got to know where he is. He's, I did a little piece in the Cover 9 at 9 blog on, on DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley. You know, one went 24, first receiver in the draft, and Ridley went 26, two picks later. Uh, you know, look at their stats. They got about 40 games in the league. So you can, you, you can throw that, well, you don't know until you're three years in. Well, we're pretty much three years in, so we could look back at that one. Uh now, um, five interceptions. Brian Burns, we asked uh, Coach about him today, and uh, he's got three sacks. He had a big play last game, but, uh, yeah, they've only got um, six sacks. So, I mean, those are the play playmakers for uh, the Carolina Panthers, three and four, uh, trying to snap their two-game slot. And, uh, you know, so the Falcons will – be on notice for that when they get up to Carolina. Let's uh, let's go hear from Julio.
Julio on the Saki of the team. Then on the Carolina D-backs, we have him break down the defense for us. And then Ricardo Allen on that last play of the game. And then why they're having so much trouble with the dagger plays. When you know they're going to throw a deep in cut and you can't stop it. And you know they're trying to get out of bounds. You can't stop it. And it's happening uh, way too much uh, at the end of halves and the end of games. So I think he just blitzed at that point. But uh, we'll see how Raheem plays that. And then we got Bernie Parmalee on special teams. So we're just going to roll through the audio here. We'll come back and break down. The tail of the tape. I'm going to start off here with Julio Jones on the psyche of the team. Yeah, hey, Julio, um, what's the morale of the team and how are y'all trying to fight through this uh, tough tail? Um, you know, we've got to keep working. It's a short week right now. Um, only thing that matters right now for us is us Carolina. So, you know, we're just trying to get the mental aspect of the game together um, and get our bodies right. You know, moving forward. Um, everybody's, you know, in a great spot right now. Um, the confidence, everything is still there. We just got to keep playing. Yeah, and, um, you know, you being knowing that you're going to be able to go this week, how, uh, how excited are you to go against Carolina to, you know, help the guys out here, you know, get the watch last Yeah, Yeah, like you said, um, I feel great going into the game. Um, you know, I wasn't able to help the guys out. Um, as much as I needed to uh, the last time we played them, I was just those guys' eyes. So now the physicality side of it, going out there making plays, things like that, um, I can do that um, starting this Thursday. So I'm um, just looking forward to it and just being out there with, with the guys and, you know, going out there and performing in, in the dog. Said going out there performing and getting a dub. It will be their second of the year. Uh, avoid another one and seven start like they had last year. Here's Julio on the D backs. Yeah, Julio. Um, just mentioned the, the familiarity. Um, did you get a good sense of uh, the, the the Panthers' corners and how they're playing you guys? And um, what do you make of them so far this year uh, under a first year head coach? Um, they've been, you know, guys up, guys down, and been moving guys around. Um, things like that. So we just, you know, at the end of the day, we we'll have to look at them. And, uh, you know, they got Eli in the, in, in the rotation now. Um, before it's more so a nickel. So we just got to see how those guys, how they going to play us uh, moving forward. But I mean, I didn't play Eli um, in New Orleans. You know, now he's, he's um, at Carolina. So um, we just got to see how these guys play us, how we want to attack them and things like that. But, um, you know, being a short week, the minimum preparation has to be on point, and guys have to get their bodies back. You know, just for, for you, um, you, you keep talking about the short week. Do um, you like playing on Thursday nights four days after your previous game? Uh, it don't matter to me. You know, um, I'm a professional, right? We all ask to do the same thing. It's not like they asking me by myself to go do this by myself. Like, collectively, it's teams going out here, right? It's 11 5 and and the Carolina Panthers right now. So it's a short week, but all of us have to do it. It's part of our job, so let's get your body right, you know, and got to go handle business. That was Jason Butt, corresponding for the AJC, uh, talking to Julio there. So uh, he was talking about Eli Apple, the former uh, Giants uh, draft pick, ended up in New Orleans for a while, and uh, now with Carolina. He wasn't there last game, but he's going to play in this game. 
Eli Apple's mom, Annie Apple, she's an interesting follow on uh, Twitter. And uh, my buddy Clarence Hill met her when they were, um, uh, when her son was playing with the Cowboys. Or was it Saints-Cowboys game, something like that. But anyway, back to the Falcons. Ricardo Allen, um, I wanted to know about that, the, the last play of the game. I know he had to move on to Carolina, but... Uh, you know, we missed a part of the Deion Jones call because uh, uh, they got practice early and there's big fire on I-85. I'm stuck in traffic, you know, trying not to play with the phone. So, but uh, I wanted to know, you know, because I, I think he is the one who left the tight end when Stafford got out of the pocket. And you can't you can't leave the tight end. So, uh, but he did. So, but did we, we did ask Ricardo about the last play. And those dagger plays that are killing them when they know they're coming. Ricardo, could you, uh, Coach, talk about that last play, uh, the ozone coverage? Uh, what happened on that play from your vantage point? Yeah, it was just um, the quarterback ended up just suspending the play. You know, at first it was it was it was covered up pretty well, but the quarterback just ended up. Uh, Ricardo Allen on the dagger plays uh, and the uh, last play of the game. He says they're defendable and, uh, you know, they should have defended them better. Uh, one other thing on that play, Chuck, uh, well, you know, one of my folks broke down the rush for me and uh, Fowler got, Fowler beat his guy on a bull rush, then got tackled and rolled over, should have got a holding call. Uh, Grady, they they stunned it and Grady stunned it into the double team, so he was dead. If Means is uh, up the field, then Fowler would have ran Stafford right into Means, but he he was at right tackle. He didn't get there. He got blocked. So you know you got to win your battles. Tack went up the field with a bull rush and went past the quarterback. So that allowed Stafford to slide out to his left, and you know at that point Dion is looking and. Was, you know, it's Stafford. He was at the 10. He wasn't going to make it. You were, There's no reason to leave the tight end. So, um, and then, boom, it was an easy throw. He sidearmed it in there to make sure it was uh, on, on on target. But, uh, you know, we aren't doing the film review report card this year, but that would have been an easy one to do. Now, uh, Bernie Parmalee, the special teams coordinator, moved over after Ben Kawika was fired. We uh, bear with me here on this one because, uh, you know, some of the virtual calls, uh, I'm on speakerphone, he's on some, whatever they got him on, and my phone sounds like I'm in an airport hangar, but he sounds good, so if I got to repeat the questions afterwards, we'll do that, but here's uh, Bernie Parmalee. Uh, what have been the 
return game as the season has progressed? Well, I think the, one of the biggest things that he has um, done um, is catch the ball consistently. Um, even in practice, um, he points that, you know, sometimes he had too many balls on the ground. He didn't have that many. But as a returner, you always want to focus on making sure that ball is uh, protected. So uh, when he had the one that was out uh, a week ago, you know, of course, that's something we're going real hard. Um, but he's a conscientious young man, and uh, he knows that he got to keep it tight. And, uh, and, and uh, the coverage units, uh, what are, you, are you getting what you want out of the guys getting downfield and getting the coverage and so forth to make it for some fair catches? Especially when we was playing against a guy that was a four, he's at a four three four speed, and they was the number one punt return unit, you know, in the league. So you don't want that guy to have some space once he catches the ball. So we, we put it on our flyers. We made sure that the punts was going to the single flyer, but they got to make sure they win so he can do exactly what you said is fair catch. Breaking down the special teams matchups, talking a little bit about Brandon Powell. And uh, one of the questions you probably couldn't hear was, uh, were they ready to go kick the field goal uh, in the touchdown that they weren't trying to score against Detroit, against uh, the Lions? They were trying to get in, uh, you know, get at the one, maybe sneak it in or, you know, run some more clock and then kick the field goal. You know, in retrospect, everybody's saying now they should have just kneeled. Uh, Detroit didn't have any more timeouts, and they could have just ran the clock down that way. Uh, been an easy dub, easy W there, but um, didn't happen that way. So let's go to um, the tail of the tape here. We got it all mapped out. Uh, it's broken down. Uh, Carolina's defense is uh, the star here of this game. They are in the top 16 and three of the four key categories, and just right outside. Uh, in the run game. So uh, the Falcons are going to have some tough sledding here. Uh, 24 points a game, 13th total offense, 351-1. That's 13th. Their run game is giving up 124 
uh, a uh, a game, which is 18th, and the uh, pass is giving up 227.1, which is 10th. So they're pretty stout. They're middle-of-the-road stout. Uh, not the 78 Steelers, but, uh, you know, they make you earn everything. So uh, the Falcons' best unit, well, what they do best is pass the ball. So you got the six-rated pass offense at 401 a game going against the uh, 10th best pass defense. So that's two top 10 units out there when they, the Falcons are going on against the Carolinas. Uh, so that's strength on strength there. Now, uh, Falcons are points 13th, 26.3 yards rushing. They're tied for 20th at 105.4. Last couple games have been way under four yards of carry, but they stay with it. Uh, net passing yards, 295.6, third in the league. They're getting yards, but not scoring. But they're 13th. They're 13th, 6th, 20th, and 2. So they're 3 for 1 also. Uh, 20 just right outside of the the top 16 in rushing. So that's a strength on strength. Falcons offense on Carolina's defense. Those are both of the team's best units. Now uh, we let's look at how the Falcons defense should match up against the Panthers. Their offense is in the top 16 and 2 categories. Two of the four. Uh, the Falcons are just in one, so that's advantage Panthers. They are fifth, 25th in points per game, 23.1, 16th in total offense, 369.1, and uh, 20th in rushing yards, 105.4, and passing yards, 263.7, they're 11th. So that's two in the top 16 against the Falcons defense, which is uh, only one in the top 16, and then they're near the bottom and everything else. Points, 29.6. They're 26. Uh, total offense, 425.9. And then um, they're six against the run at, um, at 92.4. But, you know, I think that's the f a factor of, the, the fact that they're giving up 333.4 yards in the air. So nobody's trying to run. They don't have to. They can throw it. And at the end of quarters and the uh, end of games, you know, they will move right down the field, 75 yards all in the air. Uh, last week in Minnesota, they had them to 215 with um, 707 uh, left in the game. And it ends up at 430 yards or something. So, they, they can give it up quick, and uh, that's not a good thing. So maybe they'll get that squared away uh, over the course of these last nine games. So uh, possession, time of possession was key in their win in Minnesota. They got to keep the defense off the field. They were trying to keep them off the field at the end of the game. It didn't work. Uh, you know, they should have just kneeled. But uh Time of possession, Falcons 30 minutes, 56 seconds, which is ninth. And Carolina does it too. They're trying to keep their defense off the field. Their defense is looking pretty good uh, playing zone. Uh, seven with um, their seventh, 31, point, uh, 31 minutes, 15 seconds per game. So both teams, uh, time of possession is how you try to balance things out. 
And they're both uh, plus two in turnover differential. So that's that's getting it pretty good. You know, that's nine. Top for ninth. That's in the top 16. So, uh, you know, you're going to live with that for on, on both sides of the ball. So we're going to um, get on out of here. 225th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. You know, we're going to ask you to, uh, you know, subscribe and review and sign up for the alerts and the emails on AJC.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the Orlando AJC and our Facebook page, Atlanta Falcons News Now. We get out all the uh, stories on that. I'll ask you to bent, bookmark your Falcons page on AJC.com and you'll get all the updates throughout the day and throughout the week as we cover the Atlanta Falcons for you. So with that, we're going to ask you to take care and have a great rest of the week. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now, Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.